today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. He continues to use chip-stained, cracked, and soiled vessels to, again, carry his message and to do his work. And that's exactly what we see with Father Abraham. To the Jewish nation, Father Abraham, I mean, he's just like next to God. But when you read the scripture, you realize, no, Abraham was flesh and blood just like the rest of us, and he messed up a lot of times. But God. I tell you what, I'm glad for that phrase, but God. I'm glad for it in my life. I'm glad for it in your life. Because if it wasn't for God, none of us would be here. The people you'll be meeting today in the book of Genesis weren't perfect people. In fact, they failed frequently. Today, Pastor David shares that God didn't delete the imperfect parts of the Bible. He didn't pretty the stories up before sharing them with you. Instead, he reminds you that he can take broken people and messed up situations to create beauty and perfection. He wants to use you too. It doesn't matter what your background looks like. Take it all to God and let him make you new. Now here's Pastor David in Genesis chapter 16 with his continuing study through the book of Genesis. Abram heeded the voice of Sarah. Abram heeded the voice of Sarah. Gentlemen, my suggestion to you, you need to heed the voice of your wife. Unless she is directing you opposite of what God has told you. God has called you to be two flesh. She is your helpmate. She is a sister in the Lord. There is so much that she discerns that you don't, just simply the way that God has made her. And I guarantee you, if we don't heed, again, the voice of our wives, and our wives, yes, ought to heed the voice of their husbands, it goes both ways, understand that. But the thing is, is if the wife is speaking something different than what the Lord has directly told, as he has directly told Abram, then I guarantee you, you will get in trouble. And that's exactly what happened. Hagar had a child, and as soon as she had the child, she began to, again, despise Sarai. And Sarai saw that in her handmaid. She recognized that, and it just tore up the heart of Sarai. And again, it brought discord within the camp. And so Sarai, again, she dealt down in verse 6, the last of it, Sarai dealt harshly with Hagar, and she fled from her presence. But God wasn't finished with Hagar yet. God comes to her and says, where are you going, Hagar? She says, I'm fleeing from the presence of my mistress. And the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress, submit yourself to her hand. And then the angel of the Lord gave her a promise. 
I will multiply your descendants exceedingly so that they shall not be counted for the multitude. And so in other words, your descendants are going to be so great, they won't be able to count them. And that's true because the descendants of Ishmael, they again are all over the world at this point in time to the point of being innumerable. The angel of the Lord then said to her, behold, you are with child. You're going to bear a son. Call his name Ishmael because the Lord has heard your affliction. He's going to be a wild man. His hand shall be against every man and every man's hand against him. He shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. And then Hagar called the name of the Lord who spoke to her El Roi, El Roi, the Lord or the God who sees. And she says, have I also even seen him who sees me? And the name of the well there was called Bir Lahai Roi. Observe, it is between Kadesh and Bered. Hagar bore Abram the son, and Abram named his son, whom Hagar bore Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael. Then in chapter 17, Abram now moving on in age, he's 99 years old. The Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am El Shaddai. I am almighty God. Walk before me, be blameless. I make my covenant uh, between me and you and I will multiply you exceedingly. And then down in verse five, he says, no longer shall you be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham. Abram simply meaning father, Abraham meaning the father of a multitude or of many. And so at that point in time, then the Lord says there needs to be a sign of the covenant that you and I have together. Down in verse nine. As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants after after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male child among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins. It shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male child in your generation, he's born in your house, who's bought with money or any foreigner who is not your descendant. He who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money shall be circumcised. And again, I think at that point in time, Abraham is thinking, I'm 99 years old. I'm not eight days old. And suddenly his whole camp, all the male camp, or all the males in the camp are going to be circumcised. At that point too, in verse 15, God said to Abram, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. Sarai means quarrelsome. Sarah means, again, princess. And so Sarah shall be her name, and I will bless her, and I will give you a son by her. Then I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of peoples shall be from her. And again, at this point in time, Abraham is just blown away by all of this. But when we get down to 23, starting with Ishmael and then going all through his house, Abram circumcised all of them. Then we get to chapter 18. In chapter 18, we find that the Lord appeared to Abram by the terebinth trees of Mamre. This is could be called a theophany. It could be called a Christophany. What it is, it's an appearance of the Lord that is there, a visible, physical appearance that he sees there. 
a theophany is the physical appearance of God. A Christophany is a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ. Most of what's called the Christophanies, they throw for after the resurrection of the Lord. But again, I believe it's just as much a Christophany here in the Old Testament as it is in the New. Because again, the one who is visible, the one who is here before us, I believe is Christ himself. So as they come, Abram is in his tent. He lifts up his eyes and looks, and behold, three men are standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran to the tent door, greeted them, and went to go ahead and fix a a meal for them. And during this time, the Lord confirms that he's going to give a son to Abram, now Abraham, and a son to Sarah. The two of them shall have a son. And then we find out that from that point, these three guys are actually, two of them are going to go on down, two angels, and I believe the Christophany, the presence of the Lord, these two angels are going to go down because, again, the stench and the actions of Sodom and Gomorrah has has reached to the nostrils of God. God is finished with it. He's going to destroy them, and he begins telling Abram about that. And Abram, in his heart, just for the people, and particularly knowing that Lot is down there in Sodom, Lot and all of his family, he begins to bargain with God. And he's thinking, surely my nephew Lot, who knows the Lord God, surely he's had some kind of impact in his community. So surely some others have come to know the Lord just simply by the witness of Lot at that point in time. So Abram says, well, Lord, you wouldn't destroy Sodom if there's 50 righteous men. The Lord knows everything. He said, yeah, you're right. No, I wouldn't do it for 50. Nah, I I won't do that. And then Abraham got to thinking, well, what about about if there's only 45? What about if his evangelistic crusade wasn't quite as big as I thought it was? What happens if there's only 45 that came to know the Lord? No, I won't do it for 45. Okay, how about for 40? Or said, no, not for 40. And then, and then Abraham's man, he said, now, please, you know, uh, bear with me here. I, I just hear, hear my voice. And he works it down to 30 and then 20 and then 10. And at the end of 10, it tells us then that the Lord went his way. How many righteous people did they find when they got to Sodom and Gomorrah? Yeah. Lot, maybe his wife, maybe his two daughters. It amazes me when we get to the New Testament, it speaks about righteous Lot being vexed in his spirit continually. And I'm thinking, dude, if you are vexed in your spirit continually, pick up your tent and move. But yet he still continued to dwell there. And it apparently was it because of an evangelistic heart, because no lives were changed. As a matter of fact, we find out as we move on from there into chapter 19 that the two angels go down there. Lot sees them right at the gate and says, hey, you guys come to my house quick. You just come to my house. And by the time he gets to their house, the men of Sodom are already banging on his door and says, hey, we want those two guys that came to you because we want to have relations with them. And again, Lot is saying, no, no, please, please don't do that. I have two daughters who don't know a man. Take my two daughters. Now, you think of that and say, now that's really weird. But you got to understand, again, the Middle Eastern culture at that point in time, the hospitality venture at that point in time. And ladies, I'm sorry to say, at that point in time, 
the women, the daughters weren't as valuable as what Christ has put them in the New Testament. And so again, in Lot's thinking, it was greater hospitality to send his daughters out to these men and keep these two strangers in his home. But the angels wouldn't have that either. The angels pulled Lot in. He said, look, the angels told him, you get your family. Who all do you have here? Lot says, I've got my wife, my two daughters, my two son-in-laws. I'll get them and go. And when Lot went to speak to his son-in-laws about what was going to take place, they looked at him and began laughing, believing that you're just joking. That was the lack of impact that Lot had as he maintained his life in that culture where he was. He wasn't a bright light shining. He was a light that was covered by a bushel basket. And so, again, the angels told him, let's go. They grabbed Lot, his wife. The two daughters led them out of the city. Unfortunately, in the whole mix of that, as they went out, Lot's wife turned around. She was destroyed. So now it's Lot and his two daughters. In the midst of all of that, you can read the account there at the end of chapter 19, that again, the two daughters were afraid that they would never have husbands. And so they laid with their own father on two different nights. Both of them bore children at that point in time. And again, uh, one is the one from Moab, the other, his descendants were those of Ammon to this day. Now in chapter 20, actually before we get to 20, let me pause here. I think it's absolutely phenomenal how the Bible doesn't clean things up. You notice that? The Bible doesn't take nice and neat and tidy. The Bible gives us the dirt, the grossness, the foulness of everything, even of its own heroes. And that's one of the things that I believe that we can trust the word of God for because it declares things, warts and all, and it continues to declare the truth of God's word as it goes on. Well, in chapter 20, we find out that Abram journeys from there to the south. He dwells in the state in Karar, and Abram said to Sarah, his wife, oh, here we go again. She is my sister, and Abimelech, the king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. And again, it happens that, uh, again, they realize, now this is not your sister. The interesting thing is, is down in verse 14, Abimelech took sheep, oxen, male and female servants, and gave them to Abram, and restored Sarah, his wife, to him. And Abram said, see, my land is before you, dwell where it pleases you. And then to Sarah he said, Behold, I have given your brother a thousand pieces of silver. Indeed, this vindicates you before all who are with you and before everybody. Thus she was rebuked. So Abram prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech, his wife, his female servants. They bore children, for the Lord had closed all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. It blows me away that Abraham went up there And again, in his own strength, again, he says, tell him you're my sister. And in a way, it was a half-truth. She was his half-sister that he had married. But even in that, God not only preserved Sarah, but then God still blessed Abraham. And when you stop and you think about that, it says, well, does that mean that I can go ahead and do bad things and God is still going to bless me? No, that's not the story, what's going on here. The story, the underlying reality of this is God had made a covenant with Abraham 
God was going to bless Abraham and through Abraham bless the nations of the world. And yes, he continues to use chip stained, cracked, and soiled vessels to again carry his message and to do his work. And that's exactly what we see with Father Abraham. To the Jewish nation, Father Abraham, I mean, he's just like next to God. But when you read the scripture, you realize, no, Abraham was flesh and blood just like the rest of us, and he messed up a lot of times. But God. I tell you what, I'm glad for that phrase, but God. I'm glad for it in my life. I'm glad for it in your life. Because if it wasn't for God, none of us would be here. Amen? Okay, most of you know that. Most of you understand. Okay. Chapter 21. Isaac is finally born. He has Sarah finally is carrying Isaac. And once he is born, by this time, Ishmael, he's about 14, 15 years old. Once Isaac is weaned, they have a big celebration, a big party. And Ishmael continues to just dig at uh, Isaac and dig at him and tease him and pick on him until finally that's it. That's all she can stand. Sarah says, we got to get rid of her. We've got to get her out of my house. And so in verse 14, Abraham rose early in the morning, took a bread and a skin of wine, put it on her shoulder, put it on Hagar's shoulder, gave it to the boy and sent her away. She departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. The water in the skin was used up. They were getting ready to die of thirst. She set Ishmael over in one area. She walked away to another bush because she didn't want to see the death of the boy. But the Lord heard the voice of the lad. The angel of God called out to Hagar, what ails you, Hagar, fear not. God has heard the voice of the lad of where he is. And then God showed her a well of water that was right there. God preserved them there. And again, as the word tells us, he became an archer. He dwelt in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. And all of that's through verse 21. Then there comes a covenant with Abimelech. Abimelech comes down, makes peace with Abram, and we move on into chapter 22. In chapter 22, Abram's faith is being confirmed. This is where God tells Abram, take your son, your only son, Isaac, and take him to the place where I'm telling you and sacrifice him there. There's no doubt with Abraham at this point in time. This point in time now, he's learning some lessons. Good for him. I hope I learned some of the lessons God's trying to teach me through the years. Early in the morning, he rises up with Isaac, with some of his servants, and they go again to the mountain. And again, as they're going up that mountain, Isaac gets a little wondering in his eye. He says, I know we're going up here to make a sacrifice. And as Isaac's looking around, he sees there's some things that are here, but there's one major thing that is missing. And so in verse 7, Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father, (laughs) oh, uh, dad. And Abram said, here I am, my son. Then Isaac said, uh... You know, I see the fire, uh, I see the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham, knowing exactly what was going to take place, knowing that he was supposed to go up there and sacrifice his own son, Abraham spoke in faith as he declared, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. 
Abraham knew what God had told him the night before. So he's speaking in faith here. And as you know the story, as Abraham draws back his knife to sacrifice Isaac there on the altar, the Lord says, stop, don't go any further. Don't lay your hand down in verse 12. Don't lay your hand on the lad, do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Do you think that God at times might put you to the test? To a test that makes absolutely no logical sense to you at all. Are we willing to go to that extent? That the Lord tells us to take this step. It doesn't make any sense, but there's a real clarity that this is God that is speaking and moving me this direction. Beloved, that's when God shows himself strong. That's when God shows himself mighty. That's when we begin walking in the miraculous. And God showed Abraham a ram that was over in the bushes, and that became the sacrifice. And Abraham and Isaac came down the mountain together and joined the servants down at the bottom of the hill. Verse 20, or chapter 22. The death of Sarah at 127. She's buried in Hebron, there in the land of Canaan. Abraham actually buys a plot of land to be able to bury her there. And that becomes an important factor later on as we get into Genesis. Genesis 24, there we have Eleazar is a representative of Abraham. Abraham wants to get a wife for his son, Isaac. And so he sends Eleazar as his representative to go back and get a bride for his son, his only son. And he sends Eleazar back with gifts from the father to give to that one who is the bride. When we look at chapter 24 of Genesis, we see a perfect picture of what God has in store for you and I. When we picture that Eleazar is a type of the Holy Spirit, that again, the Holy Spirit working to prepare and to gain a bride for the Son of God Almighty. And as Eleazar goes down there and he finds Rebecca and gives to her all of these gifts, and Rebecca is more than pleased to be able to go and to be the bride of the son, the only son of Abraham. And beloved, that's the story, that's the picture, that right there is the clarity of what God has done in all of redemption for us. And as it said there, as Rebecca came back, the word tells us there in chapter 24 that again, Isaac saw her and he took Rebecca as his wife. There at the very end, that chapter in verse 67, Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent and he took Rebekah and she became his wife and he loved her. And so Isaac was comforted with his mother's death. Chapter 25, the death of Abraham, the birth of Jacob and Esau, these two twins wrestling within the womb of Rebekah. Esau, as he grows older, we find it's there in chapter 25 that he sells his birthright for a bowl of soup because it doesn't mean anything to him at that point and time. You know, sometimes the promises of God come to us early on and it might not be fulfilled this year or next year or next year. Don't despise, don't forget the promises of God. Hold on to those things.
As our time with you today winds down, we'd like to share where you can listen to today's message again. You'll find this and other teachings from Pastor David and The Open Word at theopenword.com. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to ensure you never miss an edition of the program. Right now, let's turn it back over to Pastor David for a quick message from the heart. Hello, friend. I'm so glad you joined in today to The Open Word. As you know, this broadcast is meant to share with you the hope, grace, and love that can only be found through Jesus Christ. He's the reason I teach every week at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. I want as many people as possible to know and believe the message of the gospel. If you'd like to know more about what Jesus' life and death means to you, I'd encourage you to call us. We have some great people here who would love to pray with you and answer your questions. Our number is 520-836-9676. Again, that's 520-836-9676. Know that I'm praying for you too, and I value you greatly as a listener and brother or sister in Christ. Thanks, Pastor David. We'd like to invite you to come see us in person as well at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. We have services every Saturday, Sunday, and Wednesday, and you'll be able to find more information at theopenword.com. Just click the church link at the bottom of the page. With that, our time with you has come to an end. Join us next time to continue our journey through the Bible, right here on The Open Word. Make us more.